0: In this episode of The Philly Blunt, we sit down with Dr. Timmery Lee at Frankie Bradley's. Timmery may be the hardest working woman in Philly. She's a sex educator and therapist, writer, community organizer, fitness instructor, and burlesque dancer and promoter. She talks about all that, being polyamorous, and more. Don't forget to follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all as The Philly Blunt. And rate and review our podcast so others can find it.
1: When I say that I'm polyamorous, what that means is that not only am I capable of being attracted to multiple people, I am capable of and interested in carrying on romantic relationships with multiple people simultaneously. And this is done through ethical non-monogamy, where everybody knows what's happening. Everybody's been informed and everybody agrees that this is what we're doing. We all work together to figure out a, a situation that is mutually satisfactory.
2: Ladies and gentlemen And welcome to the Philly Blunt My name is Good Times. Hey, what's up? This is Greg And uh, bummer But uh, Reef the Lost Cause Could not make it tonight We do have some questions He has provided So we'll get to those later uh, We are very excited To have our guest this week We have Dr. Timmery Lee Sexologist Burlesque dancer Writer Fitness instructor Dance instructor uh, Timory, I want to start with <laughs> uh, What is something you can't do?
1: Um... I don't play any musical instruments with nice. any competency. All right,
2: good, good, good. That I mean, just makes us feel a little bit better about ourselves since you have your resume is just so absurd. <laughs> uh, we are hanging out at Frankie Bradley's.
0: Yep. love this spot. Yep. We're in a nice little corner, like cove that they call it. Yeah, yeah, yeah
2: I like the. Co- so uh, you are a regular performer here.
0: This is yeah.
2: a spot that you know. We, uh, we always ask the guests, "What bar do you want to go to?" You pick this one. Why this place?
1: So I have many monthly shows here. I have uh, DTF, the Daryl and Timmery Fun Hour is here, which is a sex ed comedy game show. I have Agitated, which is a um, burlesque and drag show that is all politics. I have a show called Honeygasm here. It's a burlesque variety show. Um, I do a lot of other people's shows here. And then also, to add to it, this space used to be Sisters. And I produced Uh my first shows here so when I very first got into burlesque I with just full of hubris and whiskey just started producing after I'd only been in like one show um, I was like yeah I could do this and I started producing in this physical space which then closed down I'm like I guess that's the end of my entertainment crap and then when Frankie Bradley's opened they were like hey would you like to keep the lesbians coming back I was like uh that's literally my entire life
2: you and I have somewhat similar uh somewhat similar careers in that we both are always trying to, you know, entertain people at nighttime in bars. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: um, and bars are always, I mean, the exciting thing is that, you know, we're in this big city and bars are always looking for somebody who has an idea to bring people in. How how hard do you find it to keep coming up with things that will keep bringing people back?
1: I don't have a problem with that at all. I think it's it's just like Philly is so weird, <laughs> and they love weird stuff, and
0: like weird how?
1: I mean, gritty. Come on, where else would you have gritty? Right? <laughs> yeah. Like
2: no other city could have pulled off gritty.
1: Gritty is is exactly a Philly. Like it doesn't really.
2: By the way, so sorry. To ex- excuse me here, but our second straight guest yeah. who has talked about gritty. Gritty has taken over like the zeitgeist of yeah. Philadelphia, <laughs> and, and everybody's. Projecting these things onto the gritty—it's well, amazing. Well, yeah, they're definitely
1: projecting. But I mean, we're talking about like a Muppet character that like is just basically chaos. And I love their like social media presence. And that's—I mean, Philly, Philly is at its heart a working class town, and that is why um, I love doing burlesque here because burlesque is inherently a working class art form. And Philly also likes stuff that's silly, and not that other cities don't, but. You know we're we're about weird. Oh, we pride ourselves
2: on weird.
0: Yeah, we absolutely. Well, part of it was that it was like a national. People mocked it nationally. Mm-hmm. Like at first, Philly was like, "Ah, this is stupid," and then everyone hated it and made fun of it. And then yeah. they're like, "No, no, don't fuck with gritty. Like he's our gritty. That's our shit." Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm
2: I'm I'm very proud that I was on the gritty bandwagon day one, and I was not because I remember it's first, only like hour
0: one. By hour yeah. like three, everyone was like, "Oh no." Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I was on hour one. Once I saw the first thing, I was like, "This thing is." this thing has got some legs this thing is beautiful um so let's go back a little bit you grew up in western nebraska that is a fact <laughs> you do not strike me as a western nebraskan uh how i guess how did you yeah i'm sure it's a long story but how did you go from western nebraska to philadelphia I mean, when
1: I grew up there, I had no intention of staying there. It was a matter of like, which big city on the coast am I going to end up at, how am I going to get there? And what I ended up doing is going to grad school at Widener, and so
0: I moved to the uh, East Coast. So, so you you found Widener from Nebraska?
1: Yeah. Um, was it a
0: specific program?
1: Yeah. So my PhD is in human sexuality, and Widener has the only nationally accredited doctoral program in human sexuality. So... Um, and this was when the internet was mostly just a good idea so like not every institution had a website um, so I didn't find them uh, right away but I did in 2005 I moved, I moved to, to Philly area and uh, found this program and fell in love with the city, made a lot of connections with people I really care about and like I could do this stuff in other cities but I really, really, really like Philly
2: So nice. two, qu- two questions, first of all Another thing we have in common is we're both from very rural areas and we both knew at a certain point in our life I got to get the fuck out of here. Uh, how soon did you know that where you grew up wasn't going to be the place that you lived or that defined you or
1: I mean I can't remember a time when I didn't think that. I mean I just I was a I was an only child who, you know, like watched a lot of films, read a lot of books because my mom is an English professor. So the house was full of books and I was just like, that's where the world was. I didn't see anything that appealed to me that was possible where I was. And maybe somebody wants to live there and make those things happen. But there's very little about what I do that I'd be able to do in my hometown, even if I wanted to live there. And, uh, you know, like I, I, it would be like the one person in all of Western Nebraska doing burlesque, I guess. It would be the <laughs> right. one person in all of Western Nebraska being a sex educator. I don't know. That, I don't mean be, to be diminutive. Sounds exhausting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't mean to dimin- be diminutive if anybody is doing that out there and I don't know about it. But right. it certainly didn't seem possible when I lived there.
0: Did you have a lot of friends growing up?
1: Um, do stuffed animals count?
0: <laughs>
1: like, we hung out a lot. <laughs> Something else. Um, I,
2: I, I know you guess? said, I've heard you say before, you already knew at a young age that you were a little bit weird compared to your peers. You felt you felt a little bit different than the people you grew up around.
1: I think a lot of that is realizing that I was queer pretty early on. When
2: I was... Um, would you say pretty early on.
1: Well, I mean, like, definitely, like, five or six, I was very... What I realized was that not everybody else was. That's what happened to me, is that, like, when I played with dolls, you know, sometimes they would be in relationships or they would, you know, bump against each other. And it never occurred to me that gender would be a factor in which dolls were with each other. And it wasn't until I heard somebody say something homophobic that I even knew that heterosexuality and homosexuality were the prevailing understanding of most people. Because I I've just, like, buy all the way through. And I just assumed everybody else was. And so when I heard that comment, I was like, what does that mean? And they explained. And I was like, oh, my God there were teams and I must have been sick the day of school where everybody got assigned a team and I don't know what team I'm on. And then I, you know, realized later, like as a teenager, what that meant that I was bi and that that was an option. And then I was like, oh yeah, okay. But knowing that from a very early age, there was something about me that was like inherently like so unacceptable. There wasn't even a word for it that, you know, I just had to have like a rich inner life. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Right, so... How how old were you when you heard that conversation, do you remember?
1: I remember distinctly, it was in, like, either first or second grade, and specifically the context is that we were saying, pledge allegiance to the flag, Michael Jackson is a fag, and I went, what's a fag? And I'm sorry to anybody that offends that I just said that to, but, like, that's when it was explained to me, and I was like, oh...
2: You said that you're polyamorous. Yep. Uh, What does that mean?
1: So the root words are poly, meaning many, uh, and amorous, meaning love. So that means that my sexual orientation, most of the time when we talk about sexual orientation and we ask people about that, um, they'll answer like gay, straight, whatever. And what that is actually answering is what is the gender of the people you like to fuck compared to your own gender? But that doesn't really explain what sexuality means to you, what you like to do with that person, how often you want to do it. It doesn't really explain anything about your sexuality. When I say that I'm polyamorous, what that means is that not only um, am I capable of being attracted to multiple people, I am capable of and interested in carrying on romantic relationships with multiple people simultaneously. And this is done through ethical non-monogamy where everybody knows what's happening everybody's been informed and everybody agrees that this is what we're doing we all work together to figure out a a situation that is mutually satisfactory
0: so have you maintained polyamorous relationships yeah I mean I'm in I'm in some right now so what do you do on Thanksgiving or the holidays like how do you handle that
1: (laughs) I mean that depends on society creeps in on this at some point right a lot
0: of gifts during the holidays
1: I mean it depends on who you are and what the situation is and um, you know, in a I know folks who have um, situations where they all live together, like depending on they may or may not all be in relationships with each other where they may just like co-reside. Or the way that it not everybody's always the same. It's like this person might be someone I spend a lot more time with than this person, but that doesn't mean that they're not important to me. I might have a whole network of people that I'm involved with and you make the decisions on holidays and like who you call when your car breaks down based on the logistics of it and like, you know, the feels of it, not necessarily on, you know, like there's one person and they get priority.
0: Is it mostly, is it equal, like equal amount of relationships where it's one woman in a relationship with multiple guys or is it mostly guys with multiple female partners or is it just all over the spectrum?
1: I mean, I think that the stereotype And what gets depicted in media is usually like bisexual women and a straight man. I think that's what you're most likely to see in like, thank you. And like movies and TV and stuff like that. But there is emergent data. There's not very lots and lots and lots of data. But the emergent data tells us that poly folks are more likely to be queer. And so you're going to have all sorts of different iterations. Um, Emergent data also is showing us that like poly people are more likely to be divorced. They're more likely to be uh, lower income. <laughs> like, there's a lot of stuff like that. it's more of like uh, you know, it's just a variety of people. Is uh, it like a
0: pyramid? Like, do the people you're involved with are they also seeing multiple people?
1: I mean, it depends on the when you hit me up, right? Like, oh, yeah. who how I'm about saying?
0: right now? Right?
2: Yeah, right now, um, I but have. Do mo- yeah, do most people identify? hey, I'm polyamorous, you're polyamorous, let's get together because we both believe in the same thing or some one of them mo- monogamous right, and you're right. polyamorous and you guys are just existing in two different styles of relationship.
1: I mean, all of all of these things are possible and I think it, that for a lot of people who are poly and consider it a part of their identity versus a situation they find themselves in, um, they prefer to date people who are poly because it's just easier. Like, everybody's on board right, from the right, jump. Right, right, it's right. like speaking the same language. But, it's also totally possible to be poly and date somebody who's monogamous. Like one of my partners is like pretty much monogamous to his core. And like, this is, this is like learning another language for him. And so there's a lot of translating, a lot of conversations. And um, because we care about each other and because we are willing to do the work to put it in, like we, we find a way to make it possible, but that doesn't mean that everybody can or should.
0: So how long, when when did you start dancing and like what what drove you to burlesque?
1: So that is a phenomenal question. Um, I was in grad school and a friend of mine had, I think, like two or three days to make $200, I think, for their rent. And they did not know where they were going to come up with that and the space we are occupying right now was at the time Sisters and that Friday night, they had a whipped cream bikini contest and I was like, I'm gonna get you that money.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, this is a film, there's a film no. waiting to be written.
1: So I came here with my girlfriend and some other friends and just like, just gave it what I got, right? And not only did I win um, and I gave that money to the friends so they could pay her rent but um, the manager came up and was like, would you like a job? And I was like, I don't even know what the job is. And I know that (laughs) I want it because this is all you know about me and you offer me a job. I want that job. And so I was go-going here, which is a job that is very non-existent anymore. But for a while, I go-goed probably like every single weekend. It was like four hour long shifts. It was craziness. Um, And then um, got... I believe my girlfriend at the time found an ad for uh, an audition for a burlesque show and I didn't really know what that was but I got in and then I was in this big production it was Cabaret Red Light um, and it was crazy it was on the plays and players stage which now in retrospect is an amazing first show to be in I'd never even been to a show before and that's the first one I'm in and I was hooked but the way Philly's burlesque scene was at the time is there was maybe like a dozen people who did burlesque in Philadelphia and they were all in troops. That was the only way to get in is you were in a troop. And I wasn't really a fit for what existed at the time and I wasn't going to get booked at anything. And I was like, but I want to keep doing this. So uh, I was just full of chutzpah and I decided I was going to start producing shows and I started producing shows where it was a totally different cast every time, which is you know did not exist in Philly then and now is the model. So now there's very few troops and it's mostly independent um, artists and variety shows. But that was like 2009 and I've just been like on
2: it ever since. So what's the difference between burlesque and stripping?
1: I mean, fundamentally nothing. Like they come from, like club stripping comes from burlesque. Burlesque is a literary genre that, that is, it means joke. Burla literally means joke. It's satire. It's a, it's a form of, taking very serious things and treating them with frivolity and taking very stupid things and treating them with gravitas. And so it was a form of working class art form again. It was like um, a big fuck you to the aristocracy when it existed in theater. So like people are going over to the opera house wearing their fancy things and their bustles and their gloves. And then over in the burlesque house, you're going to see somebody on stage wearing the same stuff, but then they show off their legs and it's like it's satire and it it was originally like part of comedy comedy uh, and burlesque were together in vaudeville radio killed the comedy part of vaudeville but burlesque kept going and people just wanted more and more of the titillation right and less and less of the comedy okay. so strip clubs were born of that and strip clubs still you know are going with that but then burlesque had this big revival in the 90s because people were like you know what actually I wanted I wanted it to be weirder when i see people get naked
2: right right i want
1: to see weirder shit or they want to have this like Retro vintage opulence feel. So that's generally why people go to burlesque as opposed to strip clubs, is because they're going for a different kind of vibe. Because strip clubs tend to have more of like, yeah,
2: everything's right. violent, angry, bro, heavy, like, and we're gonna music, Take your yeah. money, yeah, 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 yeah.
1: And it's like, you know, like it's got a vibe that some people are are going for, but burlesque has just sort of a different, like, yeah. Burlesque is
0: sexy, but there's something just sexual about the strip club that's different, I think, for me when I go to a... There's a whole different vibe from a burlesque show and a strip club.
1: Well, the, 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 the product is ultimately different. Um, what differentiates the two, because there are lots of people who do both, uh, what differentiates it is that when you're at a strip club, when you're on stage, that's basically marketing yourself so that you can do the thing that you actually make money doing, which is lap dances, getting drinks, getting tips while you talk to somebody. Burlesque is a lot less emotional labor because I have to prepare this big act but I'm only on stage for four or five minutes and if I don't want to talk to anybody afterwards I don't have to. Right. Because that's it. That's the whole thing.
0: So I went to the last show you did. It happened to be a heavy metal show at <gasps> the Raven.
1: Yes! You were at 666? Yes. Fuck yeah!
0: So I'm so, I'm so glad you don't even <laughs> remember I was there because I went with my partner who's like five foot, 11, five foot. so we got to the front so she could see and it was jammed and I'm just like this tall guy right at the front of the stage thinking oh man this is the creeper dude right here <laughs> I love it right? and then I I'm uncomfortable it. like can I stand on my arms like what is the etiquette like do I look like can, the guys up close is that a bad thing a good thing Well, this do, do you look because I was trying to look not super like you can enjoy the show but you don't want to be like like you're really enjoying it standing <laughs> yeah. at the edge of the stage right, right, yeah yeah yeah
1: well, it depends on the show, right? So, you went to Six X Six, which yeah. is also known as Slut Church. Okay. So, it's like a very specific vibe.
0: I was obviously—I think—I was clearly the oldest one there too. <laughs> I don't oldest know.
2: oldest one at Slut Church. <laughs> yeah, imagine. That.
1: I mean, that does draw a very young <laughs> crowd lately. It's been interesting, but um, the whole idea of that show is that it's very interactive. Like my uh, one of my partners is the dom. She runs the. Um, the, the spanking station um, and so it's not, you know. it's, not like,
2: it's not like a roast beef station except <laughs> except, except it's hitting except with <laughs> hitting with whips yeah or basically. it's just hitting with a, yeah okay
1: Yeah, so my partner is Miss Philly Leather, and she's a professional dominatrix. So she's just over there, like, beating people. And then, you know, I'm up on stage performing. It's a very different sort of vibe than the standard burlesque show, where it's like everybody's sitting at tables and getting drinks. Right. Right, So this is a little bit more
0: Dungeon esque.
1: That's definitely the vibe we're going
0: for. Marilyn Manson, the metal sucked me in. I was like,
1: all right, yeah. Yeah, that's that's the thing that, like, started it is that, like, we're just going to play metal and hard rock and then make it really grimy. And we're on stage for like 20-minute sets as opposed to a standard burlesque show at this point. It's more like you're up there six minutes at the longest. So it's a very different vibe. So we we guys, You can
0: be up at the front of the stage. It's all cool. Oh, yeah. Nothing creepy about it. Yeah, as long as as you
1: don't touch anybody without consent, you're cool.
2: Yeah. So we we talked to Victor uh, Fiorillo and little known fact, he was actually uh, he was actually a kind of a producer for a swingers club. Oh, nice. Yeah. Is that something that you know, burlesque ever runs into? Is there any cross pollination there? Or are those just two? Are those, Again, we talked earlier the difference between burlesque and, and stripping. Uh, swingers clubs are another thing, I would think, in that same genre.
1: Well, I think a lot of individual burlesque performers are you know still very sex positive and and very into that kind of thing. You'll see a lot of us at like sex parties, I guess, for lack what, of a better what's
2: word. So, yeah, what's the, what, the underground? What, What's the but underground it, scene that burlesque ties into? Well,
1: what's funny is that burlesque, I think, is actually much more uptight than it used to be. Um, we, for the better, have gotten much more concerned with, like, consent and that sort of thing, and, like, you can't right. just randomly slap people's asses that you don't know and that kind of thing. Uh, but at the same time, there's a lot more, like, rigor because we want to be, like, professionals. But at the same time, like, at its heart, it's a very slutty, stupid thing fun thing and a lot of us are very into silly slutty fun things and we still you know get down and I just came back from a burlesque conference that was in Seattle it was awesome because you take classes during the day and there's like lots of you know networking but it's also one of those things where there's a lot of hooking up and I know that that's normal for professional conferences out of town regardless of what you do (laughs) like you're there you're like I'm an actuary I'm gonna definitely get laid (laughs) like
2: I know that's I know my (laughs) odds my odds this
0: weekend are
1: yeah But in a burlesque thing, it's way more likely to like start on the dance floor, I guess.
0: Do you ever get tired of sex? Do you have a degree in sex? Your jobs are sex? You're in a polyamorous relationship? I mean, you go to sex, like dancing conferences where it's hooking up. Are you just ever sexed out?
1: I mean, I think, I don't know that I'm like fundamentally. More into sex than most people. I think I probably have a relatively high sex drive. I think it's more that I have a comfort with it, and most of the world is very uncomfortable with it. So it's it's less that I'm like yeah, and it's more like I'm not weirded out.
0: Have your um have your parents seen you dance?
1: Um, I mean, there's a lot of videos online. I know my like my mom's uh
0: where they haven't come from. Are they still in Nebraska?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. My parents are are very supportive. I mean, basically, they're just sort of like, can you make enough to take care of yourself? Are you happy? Are you healthy? If so, yes. Um, My mom's an English professor, but she also is very, very involved in theater. And so she was sort of the one that introduced me to a lot of these concepts. Um, Seeing sexy things in movies, seeing um, you know the progressive viewpoints of, of a lot of theatrical stuff and my dad is just he's just a chill guy he just wants me to be happy
2: right I mean but they're from a generation where a lot of the things that we're talking about tonight are probably pretty alien I would think it would it, it's it's got to be. A, there's got to be a generational divide, right?
1: I, I mean, based on all the data, there was a lot more casual sex in my parents' generation.
2: Right? Like, yeah, and then you look at like days, the behind the green door yeah. was an actual like you actually went to the movies and watched yeah. porn movies. Like it's a it was. It, it, yeah, I guess Kids I,
1: these days are far more sexually I, conservative. Do
2: you think you could ever be in a traditional monogamous marriage? I have been in one, but it was like
1: you know, like ultimately. You know, one of the things we talked about before we started recording is that for a lot of people, polyamory seems like a temporary situation because ultimately you're trying to get to your end point. Well, that just says that what you want ultimately is monogamy. But for me, it is very difficult. Like I can make the behavioral choice to be monogamous, but that doesn't change who I am. And for me and who I am, I will always be bi and I will always be poly and I will feel attractions for other people and develop emotional relationships with other people that have romantic potential. And to just cut those off out of someone else's insecurity is not necessarily a long-term um,
2: like goal of mine. What common misconception about sex do you hate to hear repeated as fact?
1: Oh my God! There's a million. Oh my God! I can't even begin. good
0: to your top nine hundred thousand.
1: Yeah. Oh my God. Um, that we
0: don't have all night. Yeah.
1: The, uh, just like from from the jump, that a good sexual experience requires an orgasm. Because okay. orgasms great and all, but like goal oriented sexuality is the cause of sexual dysfunction, other than like physical causes of of like not being able to physically do stuff because medications, injuries, et cetera, but of emotional um, anxiety, relationship issues of of sexual dysfunction, all comes from the idea that we are trying to get to this specific place and we end up getting into ruts because we're like, this will work. So I'm going to do the thing that I know works to get to this outcome. And then we get very, very, very good at it. And we forget that sexuality or sexual activity can be, like, this creative playground, this very, like, sensual, weird, meandering thing, and it can be as long or as short and involve as much or as little, you know, other accoutrement as you want. Um, so, that would be my biggest thing, is that orgasms are great, but
2: it's not the goal. Okay, so people should... <laughs> okay, so... so... Greg and I, <laughs> yeah, Greg really... and I are both are both guys who are in long term monogamous relationships. What is something? What, what is a piece of advice you'd have for both of us that you know we should take home tonight to our respective others?
1: So the best thing for long term monogamous relationships isn't quality time together; it's adventures together experiences where you're outside of your comfort zone. So not necessarily in a panic zone where you're freaking out and like unable to, to be your best self, but new experiences together, going to some kind of uh, show or some kind of uh, adventure that you haven't done before with your partner, because that is the way that you will continue to build intimacy and excitement together. Because like you can chill on the couch together and relax but that doesn't do anything for your passion. And that is very calm and is very comfortable. Mm. And that's def- there's definitely a place for that. There's a time for right, unwinding sure. together.
2: Sure. All right, so I'm going to give you a few questions from Reef since okay. he couldn't be here uh, in body. He's here in spirit. So a few questions here. First up, do you agree with the idea that men can't be bisexual? It's often looked at as if they are in fact just gay and can't come to terms with it. And not just from Reef. But I've had gay friends tell me that, too.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, There's an interesting thing about biphobia, and it is that bisexual people actually experience marginalization, like, in all of the effects of marginalization, at a greater uh, level than a lot of gay people, because not only do they experience um, homophobia from the larger world, but they aren't accepted within gay circles, either. And so, even though bisexuals comprise the majority of LGBT, like numerically they are the majority of people, um, they are very often like ex, you know like just held to the side. Uh, people will not date them. They maybe will sleep with them, but not want to date them. Um, and because homophobia is so intrinsically tied to uh, misogyny, what we have historically actually had against gay men is that we think that they are feminine, and we think that it is feminine to sleep with men we're enforcing the system of patriarchy and enforcing the system of misogyny by saying you shouldn't be like a girl um, and so bisexuality absolutely exists in men but it's so much more dangerous to come out and be uh, a queer man than to be a queer woman right. still to this day um, so for if you're a bisexual man and you're attracted to women you may just do a cost benefit analysis and decide it's not worth it to come out or maybe sometimes sure. you hook up without like coming out about it Um, But it absolutely exists, and it's just less socially acceptable.
2: All right. uh, Next from Reef. As a very open and sexually free human, how have your partner's insecurities affected your relationships, and how do you navigate that?
1: That's a great question. I think, I mean, and I don't even know that it's necessarily because I'm free. I think partner's insecurities are, are just a reality of relationships. Um, I think that I have gotten more comfortable at being like, no, this is actually me and these are the things that I need and, and being upfront that like these are things about me that might be deal breakers for you. And if, if they are, I understand. And we should be okay with that. And we may not be this type of relationship. We may be a different type of relationship. So I'm much more comfortable with um, just being like, these are the things about me that are static. These are the things that are malleable. What What's up with you? And then we'll figure out from there.
2: All right. We're going to the, uh, take it to the Blanc. Philly Blanc. Yeah. All right. So we're going to do uh, some quick questions. Ooh, okay. Just fire back right. the first thing that comes to mind.
1: Stop being professorial about it. Yeah. I'm like, here are <laughs> all the fucking I end notes. Yeah. <laughs> that's, right, that's right. Here are my sources.
2: All right. What are three things you would change about the U.S. if you were elected president?
1: Oh, my God.
2: Um... Well, sexual... Oh, no, forget president, emperor.
1: Oh, yeah, Empress. okay. Empress, yeah. All right, so universal health care. Um, yeah, I mean, that would be the first one. Um, I would definitely put way more money into science and art and research and uh, abortion on demand up until the day the kid's born, I guess. I don't know why that just came out, but I feel very strongly about it right now.
0: Uh, what's your favorite song to dance to?
1: Oh my God! Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with panda.
0: Panda is the song. Yeah. By who? Designer. Don't know it. Oh my yeah, God! Yeah, that's like a hip. Uh, it's a problem. Uh,
1: it hasn't been cool for a while, but I like it.
2: Um, what skill are you bad at that you wish you were good at?
1: I I kind of wish I could sing or play musical instruments.
0: Okay. Can men do burlesque?
2: Yeah, they call it boylesque usually. What fact amazes you every time you think about it?
0: Oh wow, I'm amazed by a lot
1: of stuff. Uh, I'm I'm very easily wowed. You can tell me anything. I'd be like, Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, I got yeah. it. The fact that you know, like dinosaurs, the distance between dinosaurs and like the pyramids. Um, oh my god I'm saying it all wrong uh, but it has to do with like the time frame of how long ago the pyramids were versus dinosaurs right I have so- <laughs> i killing right.
0: it right now <laughs> uh, tell me something beautiful about Philadelphia
1: oh god uh, you can you can bike everywhere within like a half an hour
2: if you had never left Nebraska what would you be doing now
1: I would be dead
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's literally true what yeah oh yeah yeah probably you think just because you couldn't have handled the social aspect of it or do you think that you just would have been so bore- you'd have bored, you'd have been literally bored to death?
1: I think, well, I mean, just to be very frank, I struggle with depression in general and there's not a whole lot to do except for Drinking, and I think it—the combination would not have been good.
0: So I usually like creep through people's Twitter profiles before we come here, okay. and then I'll find someone they like on there and ask them about them. Ooh! So you follow Rob Lowe? What's your favorite Rob Lowe movie? Oh my
1: God! I started <laughs> following Rob Lowe. I don't even remember that, but I think probably just they, everybody you
0: know, says that every episode because
1: so I like, forgot about it. Uh, I mean, I—I think I liked him from The West Wing. Yeah, that's what it was.
0: I was hoping you went Tommy Boy. Great movie. Oh, man. He was like the villain.
1: I did not even realize I followed him. That's fun.
2: I heard you mention a term I had never heard before, skin hunger. <gasps> what is skin hunger?
1: Skin hunger is the word for the need, the human need for physical touch. So it's like we, we need human contact, like physical wanted human contact and we need it um, at a frequency that is less than like food or, or water but just because you need food and water less often than you need oxygen doesn't make it not a need um, so it has to do with the fact that like there are so many physical and emotional benefits to human touch and the deleterious effects of not getting it are so demonstrable so it just it has to do with that desire to be touched by another person in a, in a wanted capacity
0: if you're going to get shift faced in town just beer and shots where do you like to go
1: Oh, I just I just drink Aside from whiskey. Frankie Bradley's. Uh I'm a Westgate drunker. Um I also Oh, I really love taboo because they got the gay poor over there. What is that? The gay pour is that if you order a drink, <laughs> yeah. it's just like 17 times larger than <laughs> yeah. it is at a straight bar. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. And,
0: yeah. And almost and
2: almost all of it's the liquor, not the. Oh mixer. Yeah. yeah, it's
1: just it's just whiskey in a glass. <laughs> right. Yeah.
2: Holidays are around the corner. How can people make the holidays sexier?
1: Oh. Uh, Um, go spend okay so hotel sex is better we have evidence of that just because you're in a different place and you're less distracted by stuff you have to do so find a place to stay that is not your own place to stay if you don't have money for a hotel like maybe see if a friend will let you just like use their
0: (laughs) place or whatever. Just funk up their soil, their (laughs) bed. (laughs) Hey, do you mind if we come over (laughs) for a romantic night (laughs) to your place? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sure. Bring your own sheets, whatever.
1: Um, Yeah, go to a place that's not your regular place and then just like give each other undevoted time.
0: Do you watch porn and if so, what site do you go to?
1: Um, I do watch porn and I'm a bad person because I advocate very strongly for paying for porn, uh, but because I usually am using it in some sort of you know, more entertainment or educational context. It like super depends on you know what I'm showing. I'll show it to students more often than I use it for myself. But just um, whatever comes up. So I mean, I'm a bad person. I'll use Pornhub. They're a terrible site. I don't recommend it. It's just something I do often. I'm gonna admit it to you. Right.
2: I'm sorry, I've, I've been, been there because nobody's getting paid, right?
1: And they steal content from paid sites. Yeah, it's like super unethical company. Uh, and they, you know, like Pornhub, like. It's parent company They own like Everything And so it's like It's basically the Amazon of porn Okay All of the bad things
2: about it All right, so let's 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 give out your socials Let's talk about events You got coming up Because there's a million Yeah Because you never stop
1: So uh, If you want to find my Sexuality education stuff It's at Sex with Temery Great
2: podcast I mean if you're a listener Of this podcast Absolutely 100% Also subscribe to Sex with right, great podcast. You.
1: Yeah, so it's T I M A R E, Sex with Summary. There's also a Facebook page where I just post like news and links and stuff like that. Um, and then you can see the Burlesque Community's events at BurlesqueAdelphia.com. So B U R L E S Q U E Adelphia.com. There's an events calendar on there, and every burlesque event that happens in Philly, if it if it gets sent to me, I'll put it on a Google calendar that's on there. You can also follow me on Facebook. Honey Tree Evil Eye. Um, so, Timory Lee is my muggle page, and then Honey Tree Evil Eye is my burlesque page. So, you can see all the things on there.
2: Right. And you have, you're have you here at Frankie Bradley's, which, again, shout out for uh, yeah. having us here tonight. Love please. Uh, nice. And you're there first Friday of every month, is that right? So, I'm here the first Sunday
1: of every month first for Sunday, Honeygasm, sorry. the second Friday of every month for DTF, the last Wednesday of every month for Agitated. And then a bunch of other times in
2: between. So, honeygasm, <laughs> honeygasm is more or less the burlesque show. It's that it's everybody should try to variety, make it out to. DTF's yeah. more of a comedy show yeah. with Daryl.
1: And then we stay afterwards and get real, real
2: drunk. Okay. Yeah. All
0: right. I'm in.
2: All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you thanks, for having me. Yeah. Yeah. You're great, and uh, we'll see you around soon. Yeah. Peace. Take it light. Just
1: the sound of Philadelphia.
2: Brotherly love, brothers covered in blood The man's office is covered in bugs The youth dreams cut short